Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 62 of the Wealth on Any Income podcast. This is where we talk about money tips, techniques, attitudes, information, and provide inspiration. I'm your host, Rennie Gabriel. In past episodes, we spoke about how to build an income and expense report, how to measure the level of pleasure based on where you spend your money, how to track your money in five to 10 seconds, what to look for in a net worth statement to see how close you are to complete financial choice. And last week, we had Judy Miller-Young, who spoke about the advantages of natural foods and homeopath remedies for your pets. Today, we're going to be doing a coaching-style interview with John Brody. It may go longer than the usual 15 to 20 minutes. John's a business owner of a company in Canada that does work for offices, malls, restaurants, and hotels. He has 12 employees. He's 30 years old, married with one child. Gross revenue for the business is about $170,000 a year. And he has some investments. He's got a couple of six-unit properties, uh, a home that he owns. He owns the warehouse that operates where the business operates. And his current problem is a lack of borrowing capacity because the 12 units he owns are in his personal name and the laws are different in Canada than they are in the United States. So I'm gonna talk about the categories most people fall into that I work with. And then we'll talk about the guidelines I use when I'm working with people. Does that sound okay, John? Sounds great. Okay, so the three categories. The first is someone who's just earning a good income and their upset is that they're paying too much in income taxes. They may say something like, we've got friends, they're earning the same thing we're earning, but they're paying half as much in taxes as we are. What are they doing right? Or what are we doing wrong? So that's category one. Category two is someone who doesn't have that issue. They've got a good accountant and the accountant may have referred them to me, but they'll say, "Uh, no, the taxes aren't an issue. Uh, I want to be sure that I pay off my home mortgage before I stop working or I want to be sure to get my kids through college without it being a problem. Or when I stop working, I don't want my standard of living to change. They usually have investments and they may say, I think my investments could be providing a greater return. Bottom line is it's it's the feelings. The feeling is things are good and they want it better. (laughs) Which takes me to the third category, which is someone who says, oh, gee, Rennie, I'd like to be in category two. They may have student debt or other debt in their way. And again, it's the feeling that they're working hard, but they're just treading water and they're not getting anywhere. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but would you say you feel like you're in category two where things are good, but you want it better? Uh, I think I'm in category two and a little bit of category three, because I feel like we're in a good station, but we want to always take it to the next level. Okay. getting up there. Great. So I'm going to give you the guidelines I use when I'm working with people. And so uh, take out a piece of paper and a pen, and I'd like you to write down the left-hand side of the piece of paper, the word coach with each letter under the other, C, then O, then A, then C, and then H. And these are my guidelines that I'm going to go over with you. So the first C stands for client. And that's you. And what I'm getting at is, I'll give you some ideas, some suggestions, some recommendations, maybe even uh, some referrals. 
But the bottom line is, as the client, you make the final decisions. You're going to choose what you want to do. I'm not going to make choices for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. The O stands for ongoing. Granted, we're just having this one call. Generally, uh, it's an ongoing process. It's sort of like if you went to the gym one time, that's not going to take care of your health for the long term, right? No way. Okay. So, but in this situation, it's just going to be a one-off situation. The A stands for accurate data. You know, the data I have is generally accurate right now, but obviously the more accurate, the more intelligent my comments can be. And we'll do the best we can with the data that we have and any future answers from the questions I ask of you. Uh, the next C stands for two things. One of them is it's confidential. I don't discuss your situation with other people. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of people listening to this broadcast, but we're not using your real name. So hopefully it still maintains confidentiality. And the second part of that C stands for comprehensive. I'm going to ask you how you feel about things because the reality is how you feel has determined the actions you take. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. And the last item, H, stands for how I get paid. And I get paid three ways. This is you know the fun part of the work I do. One way I get paid are fees. My fees are $400 an hour. There's no charge for this. Uh, the second way I get paid is I may refer you to someone else and they may share commissions or fees with me. That doesn't happen very often, but if it does, I'll let you know. And the third way I get paid is non-monetarily. And what I'm getting at is, uh, because I do such an excellent job, a lot of clients and CPAs refer other clients to me. So I look at that as an additional way of getting paid in addition to my fees. Now, one of the things I should have said when I started this is that you may want to have some conversation with your clients about the work you do and how you work with them. So what I should have said is, as I'm talking about how I work with people, you could think about how you work with people and incorporate this into when you're bidding on jobs or working with prospects or clients. Um, does that sound like a good idea? That's actually something we're in the process of developing. Terrific. All right. Great. So the next part is uh, I ask if you're comfortable with my fees and how I work with people and because this is free, I would think your answer is yes, is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you said that your goals were the following, and this is where I ask what you want to accomplish from our time together. You said you want to be a present parent to your daughter, which is fabulous, it's putting family first. You want to hit financial freedom through revenue property in the next 10 years. You've already purchased some, and you want to sell the company to the employees who helped create it in the next 10 years. And that's a great way of you also continuing to have an ongoing income as well. So you're on the right track in terms of your goals. I also asked what your wife, the goals your wife has are, and she said to raise her child to be a successful, happy human, fabulous, develop a private professional practice in the next five years. What kind of work does your wife do now? 
She's in a mental health field. Okay, great. Like as a psychologist, a family therapist, social worker. Psychologist. 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 Okay. And she wants to build a comfortable house for the family. And I think you're working on that right now. I think you said there's like, you got half a wall behind you. Is this the home that you're remodeling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're currently in the process of uh, a major reno. Okay. So uh, this is for the folks listening in. As you listen to my questions and John's answers, rather than judging the situation or someone, look for similarities in your situation. Look to see where you might be investing your time or energy in areas that don't serve you for the long term. Look at your goals and ask questions like the wealthy. Questions that start with how, where, when, what, or who. Like, what actions can you take to move more powerfully toward your goal? So, John, if of the three goals that I stated, if we only had the time to complete one of them, which one would you choose? Which is the most important? Financially freedom with, uh, through revenue properties. I okay, great. The top one. Okay, so let's talk about that. Um, you've got three, no, excuse me, you got two six-unit properties, so you got 12 units. And are they fully rented? 100% rented. Okay. Uh, And is the rental income at market or higher or below market? I have one building with everyone at market. Mm -hmm. And that building cash flow is about uh, $2,800 a month. Okay. And then I have another building that has half the tenants below market and half the tenants at market. Mm-hmm. And that one cash flows uh, $1,400 a month. Okay. And so I've got to take out my calculator because at my age, the math skills have diminished significantly. So they're cash flowing at about $50,000 a year. Yeah. Okay. Terrific. And that's about, that's a little less than a third of what the business is generating. Now, in terms of having the business purchased by the employees over the next 10 years, uh, in the United States, we have a, um, an entity called an ESOP, Employee Stock Ownership Plan. Uh, what form of ownership is the business in right now? Currently, it's an incorporation. I haven't... I remember I looked at the ESOPs to set it up eventually, but uh, it was something a little further down the horizon once I got all the uh, the revenue properties under wraps. Okay. And the reason I ask is, it, you know, I know what's available in the United States. I don't know what's available in Canada. So am I hearing that an ESOP is an entity that's available in Canada? Yes. It's a structure that's available here. Oh, terrific. Okay. It may be an expensive way to go. Uh, Since you already have a corporation, one of the things that you could be doing is uh, gifting certain employees over time shares of stock. In other words, transferring some ownership. Now, was your plan to give 100% of the business to the employees or a portion of the business over the next 10 years? 
I was planning on giving basically there's two or three crucial employees that mm-hmm. will likely and have shown interest in eventually becoming owners of the corporation. But okay. I also need to ensure that they're going to succeed in it. That they're going to succeed. Is that what you said? Correct. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so am I hearing that not all of the employees who are there would be would be owners of the entity? Yeah, there's a, there's a few people that wouldn't be interested in it at all when I broach the subject with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've discovered, we, I've been doing this work for so many years. I've discovered there's two very, maybe a three distinct personalities, people who are employees who want to be employees. They don't want responsibility other than to show up, do their work, get paid, go home. There are others who want to be entrepreneurs. They want to have a business or they want to have ownership in a business and they're willing to take on those responsibilities. And I would say the third group are people who want to and are willing and are, are not willing to. So it sounds like you have a couple to three employees who want to do that and are willing to do that. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And what are the kinds of things that we're talking about increasing revenue? So what are the kinds of things that you could do in the rental properties to increase the income? Are there areas where you could provide some amenities that the tenants want that they don't have yet? Uh, We currently started uh, in one of the buildings with below market rents. Mm -hmm. Uh, We started adding internet to some of the units and charging people internet fees. Mm -hmm. Um, Apart from that, I'm stuck with three people there that will in their eighties and it's a iffy subject of how to deal with. And so you don't, you raise the rent what you can each year, but you you can't push people out. It's rude. It's not, it's not right in the grand scheme of things. Exactly. It's, it's karma. Um, Yeah. yeah. There's so much we would do for profit when there's. I, I've had a similar experience in a three unit property. My wife owned the tenants were in their eighties. And of all of our tenants, they were the only ones who had no computer, no internet access, and no desire to have it. And so any communication had to either be by the telephone or uh, a letter or my showing up in person. I couldn't send them an email to ask anything or find, they couldn't send an email to me to say the toilet's backed up or whatever. Yeah, I, I understand that situation. Um, now regarding the business, um, what opportunities do you have to grow the revenue of the business? Because based on the number of employees, um, was the gross revenue 170 or was that your net revenue? That's net. Oh, that's your net. Okay, good. So, so what's the gross? Gross we're at uh, 1.7. Okay, great. All right. So, oh, so you've got a 10% profit. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, That's something we need to increase. Yes. So um, are you familiar with the book Profit First by Mike Michalowicz? Yeah, we follow those guidelines uh, through and through the business. Terrific. All right, great. So there's two areas. One is obviously... Uh, taking profit first and setting it aside. 
and the other is looking way looking at ways to reduce expenses. Um, and the third thing is obviously increasing the revenue. How are you obtaining your business now? Uh, right now, it's primarily return clients, mm-hmm. uh, and their scopes are growing. So as they grow, we've been growing with them. Okay, and have you asked? So I'm guessing that they've come back to you, they're growing, they like the work that you're doing, and therefore that's why they come back. Have you asked them, assuming they're happy because they're coming back, have you asked them for referrals to clients who are like they are? Right now we're on a project where it's a large mall and we've had one client refer us to the next client next client and so right now we have like four clients in the same space which is great because it's one trip to site one trip everything's kind of reduced in terms of travel time and whatnot but everything's still unique and really in our wheelhouse yes getting referrals has never been our hard point it's really the hard point in the business is actually producing the work and finding skilled trades people right now mm-hmm. which is a whole other issue that I think we faced uh, post-pandemic Yes, in the world. So am I hearing that getting more business is not the issue, but being able to produce the result and having the employees is the bottleneck? Oh, yeah. Okay. The, one of the things that I'm thinking about is the, very, is the same way that when the people you're doing the work for are happy, and they refer you to someone else, even if you're not asking. So that's terrific. Is it possible that the employees that you find the most dependable would know people like themselves who could do similar work? They might. Okay. Have you asked any employees for referrals for future employees? I've done that with three people with mm-hmm. varied results. We've had uh, one great success and then two failures. Okay. All right. So, so 33% hit. Yeah. So if you're talking about baseball at 300, that's a great batting average. <laughs> so to change the perspective a little bit from two failures and only one success to, hey, that's a 300 batting average. That's great in professional leagues. Okay. Yeah. The point is you did it and it can work. All right. Let's see what else. Okay. There's that, the revenue, uh, the profits. What areas have you seen where you believe you could reduce expenses to increase your profit margin? The majority is in the labor portion, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it is also, it's, it's combination of labor and materials. So it's, Reducing material cost when everyone's going through shortages is difficult, but semi-doable because you ask for, uh, I've started to do is asking people if I pay them right away and send that 30s, will they knock off two or 3%? And I, I've been getting a good response with that. My my labor rates are high. And so so it's basically, it's minimizing amount of labor. So, so investing more into automation and ensuring everything's properly planned to reduce the overall labor burden on a job. Okay, great. So it sounds like, sounds like you're looking at the possibilities in terms of your vendor payments and 
one of the things, a, a friend of mine had a sheet metal fabrication company. And one of the things that he did to increase his profit margin had to do with reducing the waste of materials. In other words, making sure that things were cut and used in a manner that reduced the level of waste, which meant the same amount of material could produce more end product. Now, I don't know with your business what that would look like, but I would assume you could see it. Yeah. Okay. There's a possibility there. Yeah. It's sort of like if you need, and I'm making this up because I'm not in the construction industry, but if you uh, were creating 10 foot ceilings and you have 12 foot pieces of lumber, okay, you're chopping off two feet for each stud. Well, where can those two foot pieces be used? Can they be used as 18 inch separators from the 10 foot, you know, it's that kind of stuff, which I'm sure that you're already aware of, you're probably doing, but there may be similar materials where he, you could do something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not in construction, but you are. So you could see those kinds of things far better than I could. All right. So that deals with some of the areas of creating additional revenue, reducing expenses. And if we're going to be talking about you creating financial freedom in the next 10 years, one of the things that you'll need is a number of is an income number you need to maintain your style of life. And so what would that number be at this point? At this point about, uh, well, it's the 50 from uh, 50 plus 170. So it'll be about 220. Okay. So am I hearing that you need the full 220 to maintain your current standard of living or is some of that extra? Oh, some of it's extra for savings. Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. So, so technically, we probably need about one, 160, 170. Okay. All right. So that gives you about 60 to set aside to continue to invest, to continue to grow your net worth. Uh, I remember you said that the, uh, the 12 units are in your personal name, and that's a problem in transferring that to an entity in Canada. We don't have that issue in the United States. You can transfer from an individual to an entity. And as long as that ownership stays the same from the individual to the entity, there's no additional taxes. You can just do a straight transfer. Are you also paying yourself first and setting aside money to continue to have four investments, whether it's in real estate or anything else? Yeah, I'm paying myself both a management fee for managing the properties mm -hmm. uh, prior for that, as well as I have a salary being pulled from the businesses net before I deal with, before it hits the, the, the net profit, there is a salary for myself being pulled currently. Okay, terrific. All right, great. Is there an area that we haven't touched on that you want to discuss? Not really. I think we hit in most areas here. Okay. I'm, I'm certainly not going to talk about how to be a better parent to your daughter. <laughs> That's not what our call is going to be about. No. But let's see if we covered all of the areas that you wanted to talk about. 
And we talked about, oh, the millwork company to the employees, financial freedom. We've got an income. We've got an income goal for that. And okay, you want to be present, a present parent to your daughter. So I'm, it appears that we have covered the issues that you want to cover. You understand how I work with people. Um, have I given you some things to work on without me? Yeah, there's a few more to be more clear with my, my overall numbers goals. Really look at where to reduce expenses. It's not something I've been thinking of constantly, as well as changing my thought process. Definitely something because I, I was more pessimistic about it. Oh, good. Well, feeling a little bit more optimistic is a great approach. And how closely do you work with your accountant in terms of uh, reviewing your numbers? Uh, we review them. Well, I review them with my bookkeeper every month and then quarterly with my accountant. Okay, fabulous. Well, John, I'm going to say that you are on track for accomplishing what you want. And as long as you maintain the 10-year time horizon for your goals, that could spur you to look for more ways to trim the expenses, increase your profit, which increases your savings, which allows you to invest more. So terrific. I'm going to say you're on track. That's good. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, when we broadcast this episode, it's going to be sometime in October. Uh, I will let you know when that happens. Thank you. You're welcome. And so let me uh, finish off this episode. I want to thank you, my listeners. And thank you, John, for your participation. One of the things that John and I discussed uh, when the recording ended uh, was how great a book is and that there's no book that can do two things that are vital to success in business. One of them is the book cannot interrupt faulty thinking. As an example, John was feeling that he wasn't accomplishing his goals, that he wasn't doing much, and that was not correct. He had gone from about 2.5 in gross revenue and 78,000 in profit to 1.7 in revenue. Yes, the revenue went down, but his profit increased to 170,000. So that's a dramatic shift. And the book can't acknowledge him for that and can't interrupt that faulty thinking. The second thing we discussed was that a book can't hold him accountable to anything. He mentioned that he's in a mastermind group with some other general contractors. Uh, he's in a small mastermind with 10 other contractors. And what they talk about is dealing with whatever issue it is, like let's say it's a supply issue, a labor issue, and they have six weeks to come up with solutions and they work on this together. And that's a part of what is creating the transformation in his business. While he's only been doing this for a few months, it's the mastermind concept from the book, Think and Grow Rich. So what I was able to see was that he was absolutely on the right track. One, he had some people around him who could support him as he supported them in this mastermind group. So that solves the second thing that the book cannot do, which is hold someone accountable. The people in his mastermind are holding one another accountable. So I just wanted to add that 
uh, to the recording, even though John wasn't on it. And I thank you again uh, for listening, my listeners. You can listen to the Wealth on Any Income podcast on your favorite platform, and please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to know how books, movies, and society programs you to be poor and what the cure is, then log on to wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. You'll hear my TEDx talk and can request a free 27-page roadmap to complete financial choice and receive a weekly email with tips, techniques, or inspiration around your business or money. Again, that's wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. Next week, tune in. And until then, be prosperous. Bye-bye for now. Money.